Well, good morning, Browncroft. So glad you chose to join us this morning. Last week, we just started this new series called Created For. And this series is about meaning and purpose in life. But it's also a, a countercultural series as well, because it's about where essentially we find our identity. And as a society, you know, we're, we're told often that we create our own identity, right? You know, you can be whatever you want to be. The, the biblical story is actually a little different than that. You were created for a purpose. You were created by God with a purpose. And for us to thrive in life, there are, it's living by the way he's designed us that that actually comes about. And so that's what this series is all about that we're in the midst of. And today we're taking a particular angle on that, but as I reflected on even this principle of being designed with a purpose, it reminded me of a catechism that I had when I was a kid. Some of you grew up in churches where maybe catechisms were a thing. Um, they're a way of reflecting on a theological principle. So there's a question followed by an answer. I just, I don't remember much about them. I just remember the first three questions and answers as I think back on the catechisms that I learned as a kid. But as I thought about this series, they're really applicable. Uh, the first question goes like this, who made you? And the answer is, God made me. <laughs> the second question is, what else did God make? It says, he made all things. And then the third question is, why did God make you in all things? God made me in all things for his glory. And if you could essentially distill everything that we're talking about for six weeks down into that something, I think this is, that does it pretty, pretty well. In a catechism that a kid can memorize and keep in his head all these years later, God made me for him and his glory. In other words, it's not about me. It's not about you, right? This is about living according to God's design. As Peter mentioned last week, the story that we're looking at from Genesis is kind of the, the original creation story written to a group of people who had been in slavery for 400 years. Now think about this. You your parents, your grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, your great-great-great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, just on and on, 400 years of slavery. And in order, these people had grown up with the principle of they're only as valuable as what they could produce, right? They're only as valuable as what they could produce. And I started to think about that, and I thought, man, there's actually some similarities in our society as well. I think there's this narrative behind the scenes and many of us lives we like to think of ourselves as completely independent but for a lot of us we can tie our value into what we can produce and we even judge people based on what they can produce uh, if we're honest think about it what do we what do we think about people in terms of the categories that we put people in you know what job do you do um, what's your bank account like right? What's your education? How many social media followers do you have, right? All of these things, we, we kind of generally, we're, we're trying to categorize people based on what their production in different areas of life is. Um, but this isn't the way that God, 
This isn't what God has for us in his design. As I was reflecting on this a little bit more, I thought of the idea of how do we answer this question? Okay, imagine you're in Wegmans and an acquaintance comes up to you and says, hey, how you doing? How do you answer that question? You can feel free to, to, to give me the answer. How do, you, how do you answer that question? Hey, how you doing? What do you, how do you respond? Good, good. How you doing? Yeah, good. Okay, what are, what are some other socially acceptable ways you could answer that question? Busy? Yes, that's good. Tired? Yes, increasingly. That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, I think since the pandemic hit, that's like, that's like risen to like socially acceptable big, right? Um, I'm good. I got it all together. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Or busy is another one. In other words, man, you're pretty lucky I'm taking two minutes out of my schedule today to talk with you because uh, I'm a busy person. I have value, right? Um, that's not real, really the way that we were meant to live. In our society, we kind of wear that as a badge of honor, but that's not a badge of honor in God's eyes. The word busy is not a badge of honor. Um, I reflected on the thought of how is this modeled in our society? And I, I want to show you a video clip. Uh, it's of pure evil, and it's 20 seconds, so I'm hoping that you can hang in there with it. Um, it's a message that many of us have seen or heard, but um, it's Bill Belichick after the Patriots won a Super Bowl, and he's holding the Lombardi Trophy in his hands, and he's trying to get the crowd to shout something with him. Once again, just prepare your hearts for this, prepare your souls, you know, shield your kids' eyes and ears if you have to, but 20 seconds, you can make it through. Here you go. No days off, no days off, no days off, go Pats. I, I don't know, that's just so evil, I can't even, uh, anyway. Um, but that is a message that many of us internalize, isn't it? In order to get that trophy, in order to achieve everything we want in life, it's no days off, no days off, no days off. But that's not God's design. God created you for rest. God created you for rest. And he sets the example for us. I love that about God. And in, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, he really sets this up for us. Genesis 1, Pete talked about last week. And in that passage, God creates all the heavens, the earth, the plants, the animals, and the apex of his creation is humanity. And he gives humanity this commission, go be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And then God does something remarkable as he sets an example for us. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says this. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done. 
Let me just pick out a few words from this passage. We're going to explain them a little bit and then get into what this means for our lives. First of all, that word work in this passage, work. It also could be translated workmanship. So it's like God is creating a masterpiece, and then he stands back and he goes, wow, look at the masterpiece that I've created. It's beautiful. And he takes delight in this masterpiece that he's created. And then, after his work is done, he rests. Rest. That word rest is literally Shabbat in the Hebrew. That means rest, but it could also mean stop. It means both things. He stops what he was doing in the creation process, and he simply rests. Not because God is tired, God doesn't get tired, but because he's setting an example for us in the midst of this. And then finally, God looks at this day that he has, and he says it is holy. That doesn't mean like, you know, like shimmery like type of deal. It just means he sets it apart. He says, this day I'm going to set apart, this 24-hour span, I'm going to make this a set-apart thing as a gift to humanity. It's an actual gift to us. To enjoy. So, this Shabbat, this Sabbath, is a gift for us to experience. So, as humans, we don't have to take a Sabbath. We get to take a Sabbath as humans. We don't have to, we get to. Um, But why don't we? For a lot of us, this isn't part of our daily rhythm of life. And for me, I've had to ask myself this question over the years. Why don't I take advantage of this rest and stopping in the way that God invites me into in this passage? And and I just want to walk through some of the reasons that I have experienced not doing, and I hope that maybe some of you can identify with this as well. For me, probably the first reason is this, pride. In other words, uh, I think I'm more important than I am. (laughs) Anybody else guilty of that? Um, Yeah. But Sabbath anchors us in humility because we realize that the world goes on without us. So here's my, my first point is this. If God can rest, so can you. If God can rest, God the creator of the universe the sustainer of everything, can rest, so can you. I know this might be mind-blowing, right? But over the last year and a half, since losing both of my parents, I've had this realization. And this is not a mind-blowing realization, but it's, it's sunken into my heart in a fresh way. I am going to die someday. You are going to die someday. Each person that's sitting here in these seats, we're all going to die. Now, that might be depressing. That's not meant to be depressing. It's just meant to be realistic. And when that happens, some people will probably pass around some potato salad, maybe some macaroni salad. They will say some nice things about you. And then, by nature of the universe, they will have to get on with the rest of their lives. And Sabbath reminds us 
that that's our ultimate destiny. It forces us to realize that the world will eventually go on without us. That's why it's such an important thing for us to embrace. Well, tied into this concept of pride is kind of the shadow side of pride. It's the flip side. And for me in my life, sometimes it can be tied into this sense of insecurity or I'm trying to prove myself, right? We, in, our, in our society, again, like I said, it's so much based off of what we can prove to ourselves and to others. So point number two is this. Who you are is more important than what you produce. Who you are is more important than what you produce. Now, this is not going to be something that's shouted from the rooftops and a lot of other places in our society. But this is true. We can embrace this fact as believers in Jesus that he has done the work for us. And so resting isn't simply a good idea, it's part of formation for us. This passage in Genesis, then, Genesis kind of leads us through the people of God and how they were brought into bondage. And then the Exodus, the next book of the Bible, leads us into how these people were brought out of slavery into a new relationship with God as God's chosen people, how they were to live this out in a new way in their lives. And this chosen people then was brought before this mountain and given by God 10 commandments in order to live this new way of life. And smack dab in the middle of these 10 commandments are the verses that I'm about to read. Now, theologians for thousands of years have noticed that the first half of these commandments are about how we love God, and the second half are about how we can love people. But then there's this one that's sandwiched in between that kind of has an effect on both, and it says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A fundamental part, I believe, that God wanted his people to know right from the outset was that serving God is different than serving Pharaoh. Serving God is different than serving Pharaoh. And that's true whether it's the Pharaoh of, you know, governmental authorities or whether it's the Pharaoh of ourselves that we feel like we have to continue to prove ourselves. Serving God is different than serving Pharaoh. I love it the way that, that Walter Brueggemann, a modern-day theologian, uh, someone who has written a great book about Sabbath called Sabbath as Resistance, I would highly recommend this book to you, says it here. He says this, In our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, anybody identify with that one, the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of both resistance and alternative. 
It's resistance because it's a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. It is. Think about just stopping and resting for a day, for 24 hours, what that takes from us. It's saying, no, my life is not defined by continuing to produce or consume. I can be. And that is enough in the presence of God. But then the question flows, I think, you know, first of all, some of us don't do this because of our own pride. Some of it is a sense of we have to continue to prove ourselves. But I think another reason why we don't experience this, at least I haven't experienced it, the depth that I would like all the time, is because I don't have a plan for it, right? Um, and so about 10 years ago, um, I was realizing, you know, my days off still, I always have embraced having a day off, but I realized sometimes my day off, I'm more drained after my day off than I am any other day. Anybody else experience that in their life? Like they feel like I'm going, 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 and then my day off is like another one of those things. And uh, a pastor, longtime pastor in New York City uh, called Pete Scazzaro, he, he outlines kind of the aspects of a Sabbath that I think are really helpful, that I've tried to apply in my life uh, over the course of these last 10 years. He says these four points. He says, stop, rest, contemplate, and delight. Stop, rest, contemplate, and delight. So stop means stop all the work that you're doing, paid and unpaid. So First of all, let me just admit, it's really difficult to stop all the work that we're doing right now, right? I mean, emails, social media stuff coming at us, like, it is very difficult. The first third, I'm going to just admit to you, the first third of every Sabbath day for me is actually really draining because I feel like I'm constantly have this thing, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, and then it's back of my mind is this. So I got to stop my work, but also my unpaid work. Now, that means something different for each of us. For example, for me, I actually, mowing my lawn is actually not work for me. I love mowing my lawn. It's like one of my favorite things that I do because I look at it afterwards and I look at the lines on the lawn and I'm like, oh. Oh, look at those lines. That just, and my wife busts me every time. I, I'll, I'll just be staring out the window like this for like, I don't know, like five or six minutes. I'm just staring out the window. She goes, you're looking at the lawn again. I'm like, yeah. And I just stare because I love it so much. Um, but for me, grocery shopping is not very, uh, you know, I don't feel great about that. So I don't do that, okay? Uh, and each of us has to, to know what is work for me, what isn't work for me, and to, to be honest about that. Um, the second thing is rest. And I think all of us experience our need for that on one level, but I don't know if we know the depths of our need for that. Let me try to illustrate it for you. Um, you've, you know, some of us go to the gym, right? Um, how about this exercise? You ever do this one at the gym? Ugh, the plank? Ever do this one? This is a great one. This actually is really horrible. You don't want to do that. But, but you can do this for a little while at the gym, right? You're like, oh, this isn't too bad. But then after a while, you go, oh, no, hold on. 
uh, this isn't so fun anymore. And you start to do the little bit of the wobble, wobble, right? You're like, ah. Now what happens if you keep on planking like this and you just keep on going? What ends up happening? What happens? You get tired. You end up doing this, boom, right? Because you can't continue to go at the same pace. You can't keep that up for a long amount of time. Yet, we don't put two and two together that our lives are essentially like that plank. Like you can't keep the activity level up over and over and over again and not expect it to affect you internally. And so an important part of this day is rest, modeling, following God's model of actually resting. A person that I really respect once told me, John, one of the most spiritual things you can do on some days is take a nap. And I was like, Wow, I received that from the Lord. <laughs> and so a lot of my Sabbath days, what do I do? I schedule that right in there. It's nap time, you know? And go, this nap is from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can rest. The third thing is contemplate. So it's not just a day where, you know, it's just a day off. This is a day unto the Lord, as, as Exodus tells us. This is a day unto the Lord. So it's an opportunity for us to reflect on God even more in our lives, to take moments of extended silence, of, of reading the Bible more, of, of just letting it sink into our lives on a deeper level. Sometimes for me, that means listening to uh, you know, a, a sermon from a pastor who's talking about something that I really care about. Uh, and reflecting on it deeper, just not rushing through those times just to check it off a list, but to spend time slowly taking in our relationship with God. And the final thing is delight. So God has given each of us gifts that we can really delight in. In this day is really an opportunity to do that. I was scrolling through my phone the pictures on my phone and realizing that a lot of the pictures that I take are actually on those days of rest with God. And I realize I don't post them because I don't want to be on social media during those days. I just, I just take pictures just for fun. And a lot of them are of the outdoors. So it can be me, it can be like, oh, I'm smoking ribs today. Let me take a picture of this. And I just, you know, take a picture of the ribs. Or, or I'm out fishing with some friends. Or I'm on a boat with some people. Or I'm uh, taking a walk in the woods. Or here's my garden, and I'm just taking pictures of the plants in my garden. Whatever it is, there's opportunities I discover that God has given me to delight in the things that, that he has around me. And that's important on this day. And the people that he has in my life as well. So often my wife and myself will, will go on dates on Sabbath day. It's a time to just push pause and to connect with each other as well. Well, I thought about this principle for a while. And a few weeks ago I was having a conversation with some friends out in the hallway out there. Uh, Chris and Christina Knights. And they were telling me about their experience with Sabbath. And I was like, whoa, guys, this is amazing. You should be actually teaching about this. And uh, I thought, why not actually capture a video of them to tell you about how they're working Sabbath into their lives? So here you go. Let's watch it together. We, uh, we started uh, looking into the Sabbath really five or six months ago, I think. 
and it kind of stemmed from the fact that I really struggle with staying in the moment for things. You know, we would work all day, come home, see the family for a little bit, put them to bed, and then it was time to work again. And that would kind of repeat, you know, in and out every day. I think both of us really struggled to figure out what we could do, you know, either during the week or on the weekend that would really give us rest. And we just said, you know what, we're gonna clear one day from everything and we're gonna kind of start from scratch and figure out where we go with this. Yeah, so we did, we cleared off a Saturday and at first it was just, we have to protect Saturday. So we didn't really make a lot of plans or anything for the day. It was just kind of, we plan to do nothing on Saturday. And I think starting off, we would just try to make time for our family and time where we could look back on the week and say, what has God done for us and through us that we can really celebrate? Mm -hmm. And so we would get, you know, donuts and eat them together. Uh, Christina would make brunch and we quickly realized that part of rest for us is not cleaning a bunch of dishes <laughs> after we make a huge brunch. So we started to go out to eat for brunch. We make sure that you know we're playing games with the family or we're doing things individually. And it's, it's kind of morphed as time has gone on. Um, we've recognized you know, what people enjoy, what do they not enjoy. Um, and it's really become something that we can look forward to week in and week out. It's really interesting because we have realized that rest for him might look different than rest for me, and that might look different than rest for our kids. And so it's been a learning curve trying to um, just make sure that all of our family has good time together, but is also, you know, I'm not doing the dishes anymore <laughs> when it comes to Saturday. I think that we have all grown into this expectation that we will all be together. And we can't always have that expectation throughout the week. And we, and honestly, before we started Sabbath, we never, we didn't know when we could have that expectation. Um, but now that we know it's built into our week, we, my kids, we all can say, we know for sure daddy will be home. We know for sure that daddy will be playing games with us and we'll go on bike rides. Even if it's a half a day, start there. Even if it's a morning, start there. Because I think with a lot of spiritual disciplines and really physical disciplines, the, the thought that we often have is, at least in my mind, you know, if I can get my to-do list done, then I'm able to rest. And that's a lie, right? Because the to-do list never gets done. But God is really telling us, if you rest, I will help you get through your to-do list week in and week out. And I think that's really important to, to just say, you know what, we're gonna make a sacrifice and, and carve out a piece of time. We're gonna set it aside and we're gonna rest. And even if, even if that first time you try it, you do absolutely nothing, you've at least started the practice. Just like if you go to the gym and you just sit there, you've at least gone to the gym. The Sabbath is really there for you to rest. It's not there for you, you know, again, from a legalistic standpoint that, you know, God's not gonna love you as much because you didn't commit a certain set of time. 
He wants to see you rest so that you can recuperate in him, so that you reach out to him when you're in need. I'm so thankful for the example that Chris and Christina set in that. And I love some of the comments that they made in the course of that. You know, it's about us taking time to enjoy the gifts that God's given us and recognizing that. And even I, I do love that quote about, hey, at least you're in the gym, right? You know, uh, it's good because it's not about perfection. This is not about legalism. This is not about like doing things in a certain way. Unfortunately, by the time that, that, that Jesus walked this earth, this had been distorted in a way that wasn't its original intent. And Jesus redefines that for us and allows us to experience to its fullest. And if I could have a, a pastoral moment with you all for a moment, I would just love to tell you this. You need to rest. You need it. You need to rest. And the ultimate fulfillment of this is in Jesus. I love that. And that Jesus is this example for us. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the final thing I want to leave you with this morning. It's this. The Sabbath reminds us of the gospel. Because when we're producing absolutely nothing, God still loves us. Let that sink in for a sec. The Sabbath reminds us of the gospel because when we're producing absolutely nothing, God still loves us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and what he has done. And we lean into that on a further and further level when we experience the joy of the Sabbath. And so my invitation to you this morning is this. And I know not everybody is in a place that you can devote 24 hours of time right now. Some people are full-time caregivers. Some people have, you know, different stages of life. There are certain things in our lives that maybe prevent us from doing that. My, my encouragement to us all is to think through what, can, what step can we take to rest a little bit more in Jesus in our lives. But I do want to encourage many of us that can do it to take the step of faith and to take 24 hours and set it aside to rest, to stop, and to delight in God and to see what he does through that because I believe if we did that as a community, God would do things that we wouldn't even anticipate him doing because we're just so close to him and filled from him. So let me pray for you. And I don't know if you've experienced the rest that comes from Jesus or not, but I would say more importantly than a Sabbath, if you haven't come to Jesus and said to him, Jesus, I trust you for your forgiveness. I can't earn my way to God. This is all about you and what you've done for me. If you haven't done that in your life yet, today is the perfect day to do that. That's the ultimate reason to celebrate a Sabbath is that we can do that. So if you haven't done that, I would invite you to do that. 
For the rest of us, I'd invite us to consider where maybe God is asking us to rest in him deeper in our lives. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for each person that's here. And I thank you for your example, first and foremost, for us, that you want us to rest. You rested so that we can rest. And so, Lord, I pray that more and more we would refuse to give into the narrative of our culture that we have to do more in order to be more, but, Lord, that we would find our identity in you and you alone, and that that would be the thing that promotes us forward individually and as a church, Lord. We need you. We confess that right now. This is not about us. This is about you, Jesus. And so we ask that you would be moving in our hearts and our lives and that we would trust you, that this experience even of resting would be a matter of us trusting in you even further in our lives. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, Let me just pray over you. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace this week. I pray that this Sunday will be a restful Sunday for you. If you're newer here with us as you, as you head on the way out, we have a welcome table. There are some people there who'd love to connect with you and give a gift to you as well, which is pretty cool. So have a great Sunday.